Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang Out the Hoyland, Land Grant Hoyland's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. And Josh, we said coming into this game, it would be nice to have a, a stress-free weekend for Ohio State, a game where they you know, they kind of win big and we never really have to worry about it. And we we finally got one of those as Ohio State walks away with a 56-14 beatdown of Indiana. Um, the snow did not play a factor. The cold did not play a factor. Ohio State's offense looked like it had earlier in the year before these last few games. And it was, uh, you know, overall, there was some, some negative things we'll talk about later. Later, but I think as a whole, I think Ohio State fans should be really happy with this game. I think the Buckeyes looked pretty good across the board on both sides of the ball. Um, and there's it it a lot to like, a lot to break down from this one. And it was uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. 42 point victory. Uh, spread was 40. So in essence, Ohio State took care of business. But being here in Columbus, I can tell you that uh, it's probably a little bit worse than it looked at the beginning of the game. I mean, it's pretty ugly. Definitely. Uh, a lot more chilly than it has been in a, a week plus here in Columbus, Ohio. So some things to get used to just from a, an environment standpoint and a largely stress-free afternoon with the exception of a couple moments. Um, but then on the flip side, uh, you know, some some good emotions that came out. And I know you want to hit on that off the top, uh, you know, Onions were being chopped there in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I mean, you got to be really happy with this, I think, performance all around. We'll nitpick because that's what we do or tend to do. But I see this podcast and just, you know, the reaction to this game being much more positive than the one last week against Northwestern. Yeah, absolutely. And you alluded to it before we get into the actual game itself. And while this was part of the game, it was really the whole story surrounding it. Probably the coolest moment for Ohio State as a team, uh, probably in the last few years really, um, was Cam Babb coming to this game for the first time and catching a touchdown pass. Uh, all the emotions that went into it, this hit the team's celebration afterwards. They took a delay of game because they were too busy celebrating Cam's touchdown. Pretty much hugged every single player and coach on the sideline. He got to see his mom in the stands afterwards as well. Just a really emotional thing for him. This is a guy who's been at Ohio State for four years now. Hasn't been able to get on the field. He's had four surgeries total. Um, just a really tough road for him. A guy that was a pretty highly touted wide receiver coming out of high school and to have this moment to finally catch a touchdown pass at Ohio State with all that he's been through with all of the hard work that he has put into this program clearly a beloved teammate he's a guy who earned the block O this year as one of Ohio State's captains clearly a guy that's very well respected within the program from his teammates and coaches just a really really cool moment and and you know one that went on for a a pretty long time after the touchdown you know the game kind of took a backseat to the story of uh, Cam Brown and, and his touchdown catch and just all the things that went into it. And I thought that was one of the cooler moments I've seen from this Ohio State football team in quite a while. It was really, really special to watch, and I really enjoyed seeing that kid finally get um, the, the thing that he's earned and the, the, all the time and effort he's put into this. It was really well-deserved and a really cool moment. Even as a, a sports nut like myself, uh, you know, his touchdown was one of those moments where you're just like, man, sports are awesome. <laughs> you know, um, And there's really no more eloquent way to describe it. Just, you know, super excited for him. He's put in the time, the work. He's so highly respected. And a a lot of us thought that this year may have been the year for him, not to necessarily break out, but to contribute. He he came into the season presumably healthy, or, or maybe it was just before the season kicked off that he suffered a bit of a setback, whatever it was. And we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's worked so hard. I think it's been three ACLs and a broken leg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and to have another setback 
as a fifth-year senior after everything that he's been through, he could have thrown in the towel. You know, I think that lesser people, maybe even, you know, myself, may have thrown in the towel because you, you think, is it worth it to do what? To go and play in one or two or three games? But to Cam Babb, it, it was worth it. It always has been worth it. And the end result was pretty damn cool to see him go out there. You know that Ryan Day was sitting on a play for him come hell or high water today. Didn't know if he was going to you know, get an option or the opportunity to use it. Ohio State's up a bunch. I'm like, why is C.J. Stroud still in the game? And then you see that happen. So, yeah, j- just really cool. Super excited for him. That's something that he will probably carry on for the rest of his life. And you just saw the way that his teammates reacted Cam Babb's touchdown may have been the best part of like a hundred guys season thus far. They were all elated for him. Can't say enough about him. I hope that he continues to play some sort of role, but even if he doesn't, you know that he's an option and he has never stopped being an emotional leader. So you got to love what you get and what you saw for Cam Babb there. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have been able to stick it out as long as he has, so kudos to him. And like you said, even if this is a guy who doesn't catch another pass at Ohio State for the rest of his career, that is a moment that he, the rest of his teammates, as well as many fans like us, will, will remember for a while. Just a really, really cool thing to happen. There's a lot of storylines in college football every year, and I, I think that's a really cool one for Ohio State to have a kid like that who's gone through so much to get that moment in, in such a special way. And the, the way that his teammates reacted really was what stood out to me. The real, you know, Ryan Day preaches the brotherhood. I think we really saw that um, unfold with the way that everyone reacted to that that Cameron Babb touchdown. So shout out to him. Um, and, you know, kind of as a in, as a way to transition into the game itself, that that Cam Brown touchdown was one of one of five for C.J. Stroud through the air today. Ohio State's offense looked um, a lot better when it isn't playing in a hurricane, as it turns out. Um, C.J. Stroud, 17 to 28, almost 300 yards, five touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, pretty good day for the Heisman favorite. Looks like he's gotten right back on the train there where he left off. You know, we talked about this. Indiana defense not exactly being stellar. Um, I think CJ Stroud took pretty good advantage of that. There was some some odd plays in there. There were some drops from his wide receivers that we'll get to a little bit later. But overall, I thought Stroud played really well. Um, and this was a really balanced offensive attack for Ohio State in this game. They put up 662 total yards, 322 of that through the air, 340 on the ground. Um, a really good day for Ohio State's running game. I think there were some, you know, there were some spots here and there where they could have done a little bit better. But overall, 340 yards on 43 carries. That's 7.9 yards per attempt. Uh, Mayan Williams, in mostly in the first half, 15 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown. Really good day for him. Uh, no Trayvon Henderson in this game. So behind him was Dallin Hayden, 19 carries, 102 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Johnson got in the mix at running back with 171-yard touchdown run. So a good, nice 71 yards per carry for Xavier Johnson on this game. Uh, you love to see that. But I thought overall, Ohio State's offense looked pretty good. There was some, you know, we'll, we'll get to a little bit later. I want to try to focus on more of the positives here before we get into the negatives later on. But I thought that the run game design and the offense design as a whole was pretty good. I think they did a good job of, of setting up some of the stuff in the run game with the passing game, as we've kind of said they should over these past few weeks. C.J. Stroud was good with the football, even in the, even in the tough weather. He had some off throws, but overall I thought he was really good. His wide receivers made some incredible plays, including one by Marvin Harrison Jr. that we'll probably talk about in a bit. Um, and the run game, like I said, w- was solid. They were grouping off some big chunks there. 
Mayan Williams had a 48-yard run. I said the 71-yarder by Xavier Johnson. So overall, I think there was a lot to like about this Ohio State offense. We had our question marks, that, you know, the last few weeks against Penn State and, of course, Northwestern in the in the bad weather um, about what was going on with this Ohio State offense. And I think that they kind of answered back this week in a big way. You know, of course, you know, against an Indiana team that isn't quite good, but it, you did want to be able to see Ohio State just proof of concept, show that they could do it, and they they showed it in a big way in this game. I've got breaking news here, Gene. Ohio State's offense and Ryan Day do not suck. Um, That's that is that honestly that stunning have, to me. Uh, for seven to ten days, we thought that was a possibility. But look, if you have a problem with fifty-six points in thirty-eight degree weather and a little bit of snow, I don't know what to tell you. Um, has Ohio State's offense been perfect all year? No. Were they perfect today? Certainly not. But <clears throat> excuse me. You're going to look at the season stats after this, and Ohio State is going to be first or second or third or fourth in all of these categories. Uh, Look, I I think that C.J. Stroud played very well today. He missed one throw, a deep ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., which he probably hits that 99 out of 100 times, but let the man live. Other than that, he looked really good. He did make, uh, I, I guess you could call it a boneheaded attempt also in the second half, but he's like every other quarterback on the planet Earth playing football. He's not going to be 100% perfect every week, but he was pretty damn good, right? So you take out the drops, he's probably something like 17 for 24 for 297 and five scores. You'll take that all day. I was impressed by his willingness to pull it down and run the stats say four carries for eight yards. And I think all of them were probably on the scramble uh, during which he stepped out of bounds. A couple of things. I I don't need him to be a burner. I don't need him to be Mike Vick, Jalen hurts, whomever. I just want him to be a threat. He's shown the willingness to do that. And on top of that, had he not stepped out of bounds, that may have been a 50 or 60 yard house call. He had blockers downfield. He made the right decision when he saw all that open space. So yeah, he couldn't quite, couldn't quite keep his balance, but if CJ Stroud has another 70 yard rushing game and he takes that one to the house, then how do you think of him a little bit differently? You know, as is he ends up with four carries for eight yards. It, it is what it is. The other guys in the running game, though, I thought they, yeah, they looked really good. They looked decisive, which I believe is a hallmark to Mayan Williams's game. Yes, he will dance from time to time, but for him, I think you run power with him all day, and he will at least fall forward for five yards and occasionally break things a little bit longer. Dallin Hayden, pretty good in relief. I We'll talk about it later, so I don't want to ruin this too much. I think that Ohio State ran the ball very well when they did not get too cute, and I'll leave it at that until later. And as far as Xavier Johnson goes as a runner, his long touchdown run, I I said to my wife, I was like, I've only seen Mayan Williams cut like that downfield. And you and I were talking a bit before the podcast. He may be a weapon because he is – and I say this um, nicely, too dumb to know better. You know, like he's just a guy with the ball in space looking to avoid others. Whereas when you're a running back in that room 
all week watching films of your success, but also your failure. You can kind of think about, you can get the happy feet, or you can just not act as decisively as you otherwise would. Xavier Johnson doesn't have that problem because he's practicing with the wide receivers. Yes, he knows the running back position. He's played it in the past. But when you give him the ball in the backfield for one carry per game, and he's got, what, maybe five on the year, he's just like, okay, run where they're not. And that's what he did. A couple cutbacks. He looked for his blockers. Route man Marv became pancake Marv. Julian Fleming also had a really nice block downfield on that play. So I was pleased with the running game. 340 yards in total. I know people were kind of calling out the Michigan run numbers against versus, you know, Indiana and comparing that to Ohio State in this game. I'm not going to do that. I think every 60 minute game is different, but I'll take 300 yards all day long. And the passing game was what it was. Marvin Harrison Jr. continues to be, in my opinion, and many others the best wide receiver in the country. Cade Stover, while not perfect, you know, he he'll whiff on a block here or there. Let's just call it like it is. But the fact that he has developed into a real threat as a pass catcher and is otherwise a pretty darn good blocker. You'd love to see that need to clean up some drops and maybe get a Mecca more involved the way he was probably a month ago. But Gosh, yeah, I mean, 662 total yards. You put up 56 points, and it could have been 70. A couple of punts. They missed a couple of conversions they would otherwise get. I loved what we saw from the offense, with the exception of a handful of plays. And that's just me looking for something to sort of cling on to and gripe about. But great performance from the Buckeyes offense. Yeah, I think there's a lot to to dive into a little bit further here in the Ohio State run game, both on the positive and the negative. So I want to touch on that next. But I do want to talk about these um, these receivers for a bit. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. just having a tremendous season. Seven catches for 135 yards and a touchdown in this game has become C.J. Stroud's far and away go-to target. Um, he made a catch in this game that I, he, having watched it, I still don't think it's possible to do, um, even though he physically did it in real life, where he caught the ball on the sideline, was about to come down on his left leg out of bounds, but midair switched to his off leg and put his right foot in bounds and caught the ball after high pointing it in midair. I don't know how it's humanly possible. And Joel Klatt was saying uh, during the broadcast that, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best non quarterback that he has watched um, in his tenure, you know, covering college football. <laughs> That is that is some high praise, and you know, having watched Marvin Harrison Jr. for these you know uh, ten week uh, you know nine ten weeks at this point, this is this is truly a special kid. I know Cade Stover also had a really nice play on one of his two touchdowns where he kind of stretched over the you know completely parallel to the field, stretched over and crossed the goal line. Um, nice play by him. He also had a nice you know catch and run for a touchdown. But that Marvin Harrison Jr. play really stood out in this game. That was just a, a ridiculous catch, one that you can't see many other guys make you know that's the type of catch that you know maybe a guy like Garrett Wilson could potentially make but Marvin Harrison Jr. just has that that special blend of size and speed and just awareness of the field and he just they talk about during the broadcast how much work he puts in to make sure he's the best he could be he knows you know the kind of family he comes from he knows what he's living up to the legacy he has to live up to with his his father but man Marvin Harrison Jr. is special to watch and he just he's making these catches look easy and that catch was just it was only like a 12 yard catch or something like you know it wouldn't stand out in the box score but it was just insane what he was able to do with his body in midair I think to your point though I think it was a drive saver if I'm not mistaken that may have been a third down and you're right you said special that is the word for it unique 
um, dynamic, like just it, there are so many adjectives that you could choose, but I, I don't know that you'll ever find the right words. And look, I don't want to be hyperbolic and be like, look, he's the greatest wide receiver I've ever seen in my life. But he is, I would say, the most like athletically gifted, fundamentally sound combination of a wide receiver that I have ever seen at Ohio State. I'm look, I'm I'm older than you are. I think of a guy like and I was young, too. Right. I don't want to age myself too much here, but <clears throat> I remember Terry Glenn and I was like, that's the fastest human who's ever played football. Um, and there were a couple other guys, you can even Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, recent examples that you just, you thought their footwork, their ability to, you know, go up and get contested catches and things like that. You thought those were special and they were Marvin Harrison jr. Can do like all this freakish stuff and put it together. And you can tell that sure. It's nice to come from the family or the background that he does and to have like that gene, but having a gene within you, that doesn't mean you can take all the shortcuts and bypass all the, the hard work and stuff to get to where he's at. You can just tell like he is a student of the game. He studied probably every play his dad ever made, ever had. You're right. There is no, instinct in the universe for you to like get your foot down the way that he did but he has that instinct because and, and the coaches have talked about it too he's after practice on the jugs guns he's always watching something learning something that's a humble superstar despite the the louis cleats and the and the stuff like that i i love watching marvin harrison jr play i would have to I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but he has now become for me, I'm not going to put him the best. He's clearly not the most accomplished, but he is the most athletically gifted Ohio state wide receiver. And maybe even player I have seen in like years and decades, I'd have to sit there and sort through the whole thing, but he's like, he's one, two or three. He's up there right now for me. That's for sure. Yeah, he is he is something special out there. The fact that he's only a sophomore, he has another year of college football that he's going to have to play next year for Ohio State is something to look forward to. Um, I did want to talk a little bit. Not, I don't want to make too much of it, but on the flip side, on the indie wide receiver talk, um, I do have some concerns, which I didn't think I would have about this Ohio State wide receiver room. Um, we've kind of seen a, a fall off, a big fall off for Emeka Ibuka in these last few weeks. He did have a touchdown this game, two catches for 38 yards, but you know he was outgained in this game by both Cade Stover and Xavier Johnson. Um, he just kind of seems to have fallen out of the game plan. I don't really know what's happened. It seems like every wide receiver not named Marvin Harrison Jr. has taken a big step back in this offense. You know, at the beginning of the year, it was, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka were your 1A and 1B. And now it's it's a very clear far and away Harrison Jr. as the the 1 and Emeka Ibuka pretty far behind him as the 2. Um, Julian Fleming has continued to struggle. Another big drop in this game, a ball that hit him in the chest probably would have been another Tread touchdown. lightly, yeah, sir. I, I know you're, big, lightly. you're the leader of the Julian Fleming fan club, but a tough, <laughs> tough look for your boy today. He had the, the tough game a couple weeks ago. 
you know, he's he's had his drop issues. This would have been another play that either would have resulted in a long touchdown or at least set Ohio State up in the red zone on a drive where they wound up punting instead. But I don't really know what's going on with the rest of these Ohio State wide receivers. I don't I don't want to make too much of it. I don't think it's a huge issue, but it's at least something to look at. The rest of these guys, I don't know if they're just not getting open, if the game plan is more to, you know, with the, just to use the special talent they have in Marvin Harrison Jr. more. Um, but it's just it's clearly not the same distribution as we've seen, you know, in the first half of the season with these guys. It's clear that Marvin Harrison Jr. has separated himself in a big way over the rest of these guys. I don't really know what that is. You know, Mameka Buka, when targeted, has done well. You know, he's done some good stuff with the football. Like I said, he did score a touchdown this game. He had a couple of catches. He's made a couple of catches over the last few weeks. He hasn't really had any drop issues like Fleming has had, but it just seems like he's fallen a bit out of favor in the game plan. I don't really I'm not really sure why that is. I think it is a combination of all the things you hit on. You know, I thought it was a good observation or multiple good observations there. But I think it's primarily just game plan, game flow. I don't have concerns. I mean, the drops aren't great, you know, but I look back at, let's see, it was the Penn State game. Omeka Egbuka still had six catches, didn't break anything big, but he was involved, didn't do too much with it. He did have the end around rushing touchdown against Northwestern. I just, I, I think CJ Stroud, I think Ryan day, the, the coaching staff, it's dawning on them even more how spectacular, just how spectacular Marvin Harrison jr. Has been. So they have a, a little bit of a, I think a little bit of like that new toy syndrome where you just want to play with it, play with it, play with it, wear it out. But I, it's cyclical. I think they'll figure it out. Ekmeka Igbuka is a dynamic player. He can give you everything you need, really, from a wide receiver. He can get to the boundary. He can catch it over the middle. He can be a home run threat. You'll have these uh, games like this, I think. And it just when it's so easy to rely on Marvin Harrison Jr., I think you can fall into patterns. But I would like to see some more usage of the middle of the field, right? That's something you've hit on it. I think I've hit on it in the past too. Why, why isn't Ohio state running like five, 10, 15 slants a game? It's almost automatic with these guys. And that's where I think that that's been missing. You know, Emeka Buka, we saw Julian Fleming catch a slant and take it 16 yards. It, it looked like the easiest 16 yards he's ever had in his life. So I'd like to see more of that, but I consider it fluky more than anything, but yeah, it would be nice to see it balance out a little more next week. They're on a, you know, a short time frame though, in the grand scheme of things. So we'll see, but I think if called upon those guys will be just fine. Yeah. And I think we kind of forget, you know, how much this team is, you know, missing with Jackson Smith and Jigbo. We know how much talent they have at wide receiver. But, you know, I spent the other day, I, was, I had a slow, slow morning at work. I was watching some of his highlights from this 2021 season. And that guy, you know, he catches everything. He's always wide open. He's the king of getting yards after the catch. Adding someone like him to this Ohio State offense, it seems like the earliest he would be back is that Michigan game. It's not clear if he will play in that game. But having someone like him back in the middle of the field to add to guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mekin Ibuka, I think would be tremendous for this Ohio State offense. I think that would open up yeah. pretty much everything across the board from the run game to the passing game. And so I'd like to move on from the wide receivers here. But I think that, that is, we kind of forget that Ohio State is missing one of the top wide receivers in the country, if not the top wide receiver in the country went healthy um but moving on to Gene, real quick yeah. because i know you want to move on uh, i'm sorry jsn is the most talented electric safety blanket that ohio state has ever had that's how i look at him and so 
when when you watch CJ Stroud occasionally struggle, that's where it sounds like you're of the same mindset. You're like, oh, JSN would have had seven yards for the first down. No problem there. And it's not like a knock on the other guys. That dude was just, he was so automatic last year. And whenever you needed tough yards, he was your guy. So I'm with you. It's, it goes like understated or forgotten sometimes how good he was, how dynamic he was coming into this year and how big of a loss his injury was. I'm with you. Yeah, he's been a, a supremely more athletic KJ Hill. He catches everything. He's always open, and he could create pretty much anything with it with his legs once he has the ball in his hand. So they're definitely missing him. Hopefully, they'll have him back before season's end. We'll see that. But and speaking of the running game here, lot to lot to break down here. Obviously, the talk of the of this you know the last couple of podcasts and really the of the Ohio State fan base has been this running game and it's it's lack thereof over the last few weeks. They put up 200 yards against Northwestern, but they were pretty much you know exclusively running the football in that game. It wasn't particularly you know electric. It was wasn't the best, you know, it was better in the second half, but it still wasn't the best we've seen it. Um, I thought in this game they did a lot well. I thought that the the run game, the creativeness and the, you know, the differences in the run game from week like the last few weeks to this one were, were noticeable. There was some differences in scheme. It wasn't just a purely zone run scheme. They did some different things. They did, you know, they well, I think, you know, CJ Stroud being more open to running the football these past few weeks has definitely helped in this area as well. And I think like we said, the fact that, you know, you could get the run game going with a passing game also helps. But I thought the you know just the diversity of play calls in this game were a lot better. I think Ohio State is much better um, when they're running the ball lat uh, you know North and south rather than to the sidelines. They're still not very good at the, the outside run sort of stuff. But I thought when they ran between the tackles, when they ran slightly off tackle, I thought a lot of that stuff was very good. They had some good schemes in here. I thought Mayan Williams looked really good with the ball in his hands. He broke a lot of tackles. You talked about the long run for Xavier Johnson where he looked like he was playing, you know, NCAA 14 on rookie mode where you make one cut and just no one could touch you. And he did that multiple times throughout that run. Just really <laughs> impressive to watch. But, yeah, I think that the runners did well. I thought the scheme was good. Um, obviously, the injuries are really piling up here. Um, Trayvon Henderson not playing in this game. Mayan Williams leaving the game and, and being on crutches in the sideline. Um, I'm seeing here, you know, after the game, Ryan Day said that they're, you know, they're hopeful Trayvon Henderson will be back next week. He said he doesn't think Mayan Williams' injury is, is long term. Uh, Mayan Williams himself tweeted out that he's good. So it seems like it's, you know, mostly positive news on that front, but it's something that we've seen pop up here pretty much throughout the entire season, especially in that running back room. Neither of these guys have been healthy at the same time. And, you know, now that both of them are out in this game, you got a chance to see a little bit more of Dallin Hayden. And I thought he looked solid. He had a good burst, but, you know, he's clearly a freshman back back there. So I thought overall the run game was good and there's a lot of positives, but obviously the the injuries are starting to become a real uh, factor, especially as you, you know, like you said, there's, there's only one game between them and the Michigan game now. So um, that's definitely a concern moving forward, but I thought at least from a play calling standpoint, uh, things went pretty well. If you are a fan of the office, I would say that the running back situation is at threat level midnight. That's where I'm at. And I also say this in jest, Gene, towards you, but if you're buying anything that Ryan Day is selling about injuries, I've got some oceanfront property here in Columbus, Ohio, I'd like to talk to you about. But but I saw the same thing you did, you know, and Mayan Williams even tweeted out you know, all good, we good, something like that. I don't believe that for a second. You know, long-term, maybe. He's not playing next week. I can guarantee it. I don't think he plays again this regular season. That's just me. But the run game itself, you and I talked about it before the podcast. We thought it looked really good. We When they simplify things, they seem to run the ball a little bit better. And I think that they did a lot of that. 
maybe that's because they knew they were limited when it when it kind of came to death and depth and they were just like hey let's keep it simple stupid here and they did but they executed and i thought across the board guys looked really good we've seen a, a guy like matthew jones struggle on occasion we didn't know what josh fryer was going to kind of give ohio state fans at right tackle he looked great i know some people are like oh my gosh they run the ball so much better without dewan jones i need to see it more than 45 minutes sorry but yes josh fryer looked awesome there at right tackle he did everything you could ask of him but um i think the big difference for me was just the, the off-tackle, the tackle runs, getting away from a little bit more of the zone stuff. And we talked about it, pardon my French, earmuffs. When they call a play and it's, hey, you run right up the ass of Josh Fryer or you run right up the ass of Paris Johnson Jr., that typically worked out pretty well. I think that's what they need to do more often. I don't care about the zones. I don't care about the inside give to Mitch Rossi on third and one. It is find the big guys on the outside who are likely to be first round NFL draft picks and run directly behind them. And they just did more of that today. And consequently it worked and and they got a bunch of yards. So I liked what we saw there. I'd like to see them continue to do that and simplify things moving forward because, you know, sometimes getting overly cute and dressing it up too much is really to the detriment of your run game. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the main negative here, outside of all the injuries, which who knows what, what's going to happen there, um, definitely frustrating, but nothing you can really do about that at this point. Um, I, I think the big thing, like kind of you alluded to, is, is those those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, still continue to plague this team. Ryan Day, you know, in his postgame, did talk about how, how frustrating that has been. He said he's ready to bang your head against the wall um, in their short yardage issues. I'm sure the rest of Ohio State's fan base is ready to do the same. Um, but at least he, like, notices it, and, like, he's there trying to work to improve it. He said in this game he was a little too stubborn trying to run the football in those situations. So maybe we see more passes in those spots. We know that, you know, like like we've said, a slant's pretty much open 100% of the time for Ohio State. So in those short yardage situations, Maybe that's the way to go. But, yeah, I mean, calling the run for Mitch Rossi there was silly. Um, they had some other just questionable play calls in those spots. I thought that, you know, the play where C.J. Stroud got stopped short, he probably should have handed it off. And on the one play where he handed it off, he probably should have kept it. So maybe just some, you know, just some missed plays here and there. You know, it happens, but it's something that's happened to this Ohio State team pretty much throughout the course of the year. They have not been good in those third and short, fourth and short scenarios, especially when they look to run the football. So, um, I, I think offensively, that's probably your biggest concern at this point. I guess there's there's worse concerns to have when it's just you know a very specific part. But you know when they play a team like Michigan, they're gonna have a spot where they need to pick up you know a third and two or a third and one, and if they're not able to do it, it's gonna cause some big problems. So. Um, definitely something that needs to be worked out. There's definitely options available to get it done. I think, you know, Stroud running more is going to help. I think that, you know, attacking the middle of the field, like you've said, in the passing game would certainly help. It seems like they're pretty keen in on trying to fix that. So hopefully we see that improved over the next several weeks. It looked like they did, you know, at least improve some things in the running game elsewhere. So that's good to see that they're, you know, working on that stuff still. Um, but overall, just, you know, kind of wrapping up the, the offensive side of this game, I think that other than that, things went pretty well in this game. We, you know, we know what C.J. Stroud is at this point. He's still the Heisman favorite. He looked really good in this game. The wide receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a, a special talent. The other guys we know have seen it, and they just need to kind of get it back. And, and the running game, um, who knows who's going to be healthy for next week or whatnot, but I, I think that at least scheme-wise it looked better than it has. And so I think as a whole you have to be pretty happy. 56 points on in this game probably could have been more, like you said, um, with, it, with it being in a snowstorm too and chilly. So it 
wasn't like the elements are on their side. I think overall you have to be pretty pleased with what you saw out there today. B plus, A minus from me. Uh, I've really kind of spoken my piece on. I don't have too much to add that you haven't already hit on, that we haven't already hit on. There are building blocks to move forward and prepare for Maryland, which I believe will be a game. So we liked what we saw and on to the next one. Flipping over to the defense here, I thought this was a really, really good performance for Ohio State defense. And obviously, you know, the Hoosiers aren't exactly world beaters on the, on their offense, but nonetheless, I thought Ohio State's defense looked really, really good in this game. I was really happy to see. I had we were talking about it a little bit in our in our group Slack during the game, just how nice it is to have a defensive coordinator that is able to adjust in game to what the other team is doing. Because you know, we saw in this game, Connor Bazelak got the start, attempted about five passes. Indiana's offense did nothing with him in the game. They moved to Dexter hey, Jane, Williams. Jane, yeah. Jane. Is that the quickest hook you've ever seen? Like we talked about it on the preview podcast and I thought I read that they were trying to essentially bench him last week. My man was like three for five. They ran six total plays and Tom Allen was like, all right, I've seen enough. You're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. it didn't help that they went three and out each time in like four seconds. Like you don't want to give the Ohio State offense has the ability to score quickly the football back that short and put your defense right back on the field. Um, so it just it clearly wasn't happening for Bazelak. They He clearly didn't provide enough of a threat um, through the air to counteract the fact that they can't really run the ball. So they brought in Dexter Williams, who I did, you know, we did mention last week was somebody that they, they thought they liked stuff, some stuff from, especially with his ability to run the football. And he did um, run a bit in this game. Didn't, you know, Ohio State did a good job of slowing him down. He had 16 carries for 46 yards, so under three yards per carry. You'll take that. Um, he was 6 of 19 for 170, 107 yards, um, had two touchdown passes. One of them um, was kind of set up by, like you said earlier, just a, a kind of a blown assignment. Um, another one uh, was was off of a muffed punt by like an eighth-string wide receiver on Ohio State. So they really didn't have any sustained drives or any really threatening offensive series. I thought Ohio State's defense played really well at all three levels. Kind of an interesting um, defense in the secondary in this game. We didn't see any of Denzel Burke. It was Cam Brown who returned from injury um, alongside Jordan Hancock for pretty much the entire game until the backups came in. Um, I thought those guys, you know, other than the, the missed assignment that led to a long game for Hancock, I thought both of those guys played well. Um, Cam Brown did let up a touchdown where he just got mossed by a 6'6 tight end. There's nothing he could really do on that play. He's only like 5'11 or 6 foot at best. Um, and just kind of, he was in the right spot. He was in the place to make a play, but he was just not big enough to make the play in that scenario. Probably just a really tough assignment for him on one-on-one in the corner there. So not, not going to hold that against him, but I thought those two guys played well, both in the passing game and the running game. I think the Ohio State's defense as a whole looked really good against the run. I thought, you know, Tommy Eichenberg had another huge game against the run. Same goes for Steel Chambers. These Ohio State linebackers have just been phenomenal this season. Uh, we saw a little bit of Cody Simon and more of a 4-3 look for this Ohio State defense when, when Indiana was really looking to run the ball, and I thought that worked well. So it's just nice seeing Ohio State try different things, move some guys around, be willing to to you know, adapt to what the opposing offense is giving them because we haven't seen that for the last two years. And, and Jim Knowles has continued week in and week out to put together really good game plans for the offenses they're playing. And I thought across the board, this Ohio State defense continued to look really, really good. I'm with you. As a fan, I could not be more happy with Jim Knowles and, and the defense that he's sort of um, implemented here. Are they perfect? No. You know, will they give up some big plays? Yeah, we saw that with Jordan Hancock. He was late on a rotation. It looked like the um, when I was watching on TV, they kind of cut off the beginning of that play. But he's willing to mix it up. I think that this is probably one of the more aggressive games we've seen from Ohio State. And it's like they can 
they can reach into the bag and grab that when they need it because it's another thing that you and I have talked about in the past. They, they That hasn't always been the case. We've wanted more blitzing on occasion, but they didn't want to put guys on an island or whatever it was. In Knowles, I trust. Um, my sort of thoughts and recommendations mean nothing. The man has forgotten more football than I'll probably ever watch in my life. So uh, they're, they're doing great things. You still have a little bit of concern about the cornerback play, but I'm with you. I thought Cam Brown did play pretty well. He had a couple pass breakups. He had a tackle for loss. Um, you're right. The touchdown, it's six foot versus six, six. Who's going to grab the rebound? It, it's a tough ask of him. And it's really a tough ask of any cornerback to go out there and body up a six, six tight end, but he did play pretty well. Jordan Hancock, like I said, he was late on a rotation, but other than that, he wasn't exposed and Jair Brown even got some more experience, which will serve him. Well, I think down the road, because now we don't know what's up with Denzel Burke, who was not on the injury report and also not in the game. So whatever. <laughs> We're just kind of used to that at this point. But some other guys on the defense, I think I've noticed that offenses are putting a lot of effort and paying a lot of attention to stopping JT Tuimaloa. And for good reason, right? He hasn't had the crazy, you know, sacks or pick sixes or anything that we saw against Penn State, but he's been disruptive because teams are focusing on him. And I think what we saw today, granted, they may not have been sharing the field. In fact, I, I don't think that they were, but it frees up some other guys, I think, to try different things or just play a little more freely, I guess. I don't know. It's just sort of a theme I saw throughout the linebackers. Gosh, I, I love watching them play. Steel Chambers in space, absolutely incredible. You know, he had the the hand tackle of the Indiana quarterback over by the sideline, but that's not the first time if you, that I've seen him going towards a sideline and a ball carrier tries to put a move on him, and he's able to just sort of like plant his feet and grab that ball carrier. So he's great in space. Tommy Eichenberg, just special downhill kind of guy. When he picks a hole or makes a decision, that's why he had three tackles for loss today. As he identified that play or he guessed on that play, guessed it correctly soon enough and just boom, hit the hole. You can't block him when he's got a full head of steam. He's a great linebacker. He has gone from probably like a, a C minus guy to an A guy over the course of like 18 games now. I know we certainly had conversations about him at the beginning of last year. We weren't in his fan club. We're probably both co-chairs right now. We talk about him all the time. So love what we saw from Tommy Eichenberg. And how about Jack Sawyer, right? Captain Jack, you brought this up before the podcast because after last podcast, we were talking about Jack Sawyer. And I wish we would have done so like and recorded it now because you and I were both like, man, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot from him. Why aren't they using him the way that us two boneheads think they should use him? And I even said something in our slack during the first half. I'm like, why is Jack Sawyer in a stance and then immediately standing up and dropping into coverage? And I don't know if Jim Knowles heard me or what, but they let him go really from the second quarter on. He had two sacks. I thought he might have put the, the kid out of the game right there at halftime. 
Um, that did not look pretty, but in my opinion, he's better as a, a pure pass rusher. They let him do some more of that today and just all in all, a bunch of good performances across the board. I don't, did you bring up Lathan Ransom at all? Sorry, Gene, if you did, I, I may have I missed haven't. it. I was going to, I was going to highlight him though. Cause he was one of the, the other guys who had a standout performance in this game. You know, just a really across the board, impressive performance from Lathan Ransom, nine tackles. So just behind steel chambers for the team lead steel had 10, um, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss and a pass breakup. He was all over the field. Kind of like you said, Ohio state was, um, a bit more aggressive in this game. So you saw him come on a couple of blitzes. Um, yeah, like you said, Steel Chambers in space has been phenomenal. I think it helps that he was a former running back, that he knows what you know other running backs are looking to do. And that's why he's so good at making those tackles at the boundary. So a huge game for him leading Ohio State in tackles. Tommy Eichenberg, like you said, continues uh, to just be a wrecking ball in the run game especially. Ten tackles for loss overall for this Ohio State defense. So impressive numbers there. Four sacks. You mentioned kind of a coming out party for Jack Sawyer. And yeah, I do wish we were you know on air for our Jack actually our conversation last week because we were both talking you know just like jt Tumaloa, this is a former five-star prospect this is a guy that people were pegging as you know the next the next bosa brother so to see him come out here have a big performance like this one and a half sacks of course like you said he had that really big powerful sack at the end of the first half really good game for him really good game for ohio state's defensive line as a whole i thought and, and especially in stopping the run um still don't really know where mike hall is i think he played in this game he didn't register a stat yeah gene he was out there he was yeah, out there i feel like i saw him here in a about, but I feel like they're just using him so sparingly. I don't know if it's injury stuff or a snap count or whatever. Um, but yeah, like you said, Denzel Burke didn't play in this game. Take it with a grain of salt as you will. But they said that, you know, Dewan Jones, Denzel Burke, and Chip Trainum will all be available next week. We will see. Um, but yeah, I thought, if, oh yeah, yeah, I know. Who, what, what's, who knows at this point? <laughs> the, the Ohio State injury report is very frustrating, and, and it is what it is. But um, yeah, some really good individual performances across the board in this game, and I thought as a whole, Ohio State's defense played well. Um, you talked about them kind of putting uh, extra emphasis on JT Tunaloao. It does also help when you are allowed to legally hold him on every other play. Um, I think that's a good strategy by Indiana to just blatantly hold him on any play. You know, that's to his side of the field, and just get away with it. Um, that was fun. Even you know Joel Clapp being like, "Hey, uh, that big run by Indiana. Look at uh, JT Tunaloao being held egregiously here." Um, fun stuff there. But no, I think, yeah, overall, you have to be pretty pleased with this defense. Jim Knowles continues to prove that he is worth every dollar they gave him. The, the turnaround from these Ohio State linebackers, from basically, you know, these same two guys that played the majority of snaps last year, to see how well Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg have played. We know Jim Knowles is a, a linebacker's guy, and he has clearly had his mark on those two players. They're playing phenomenally. Like I said, we saw a little bit more of a... Um, some more three linebacker sets in this game as, Ohio, as when Indiana was going run heavy. So we saw a little bit more Cody Simon. I thought he looked you know, solid in this game. He's had his ups and downs in his Ohio State career, but I thought he looked good in this game. Um, and yeah, overall, I think there's really, you know, the corners are still, I say, a question mark, but I think that, you know, Cam Brown and, and Jordan Hancock probably had the, you know, probably looked the best of any Ohio State corner so far this year. I know they both let up, you know, their their own big play, but other than those, the one bad play each, I thought they played well. We didn't really see a ton of Jordan Hancock, which probably means he was he was doing his job. That's kind of what you want to see from your corners, that they aren't being tested all that much. Um, Cam Brown, when called upon, I thought played well. He had that, that tackle for loss or the, you know, assisted tackle for loss where he made a good play on the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that things are really, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the year. We didn't know what this defense was. We didn't know, you know, 
they didn't really play the best competition. And once again, they didn't play great competition here. But I think over the course of the year, now we're, what, nine, ten games into the season, I think you kind of know what this Ohio State defense is. I think they're just really solid against the run. They're, you know, they're decent against the pass. The safeties play well. The corners do enough to, to keep them back there. The, the pass rush has been getting to the quarterback with a bit more regularity and not giving opposing quarterbacks a ton of time to really test those corners. So I think that, you know, like I've said earlier, Jim Knowles is kind of hiding the weaknesses of this Ohio State defense well, which I think is, you know, probably what he had to do at Oklahoma state too he didn't have the kind of talent across the board that he has at ohio state and even though you know he's maybe lacking in one area here he's doing a good job of disguising it um and i think overall this ohio state defense is you know it's it they looked good they really they the only two star sounds they gave up like i said were on one broken play and then the, the mossing of, of cam brown and then the the, the muff punt so a really good day could have been you know 56 nothing game had those two plays not happened so I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from this Ohio State defense. Hopefully it continues, and you know they have another big test next week against a good passing offense in Maryland, and then, of course, the game against Michigan. But um, I think you have to be pretty confident in what this defense could do so far, given what you've seen. You beat me to it a little bit. The only other thing I was going to add is I think we'll learn quite a bit about the Ohio State defense next week, weather permitting, conditions permitting, because Maryland can throw the heck out of the ball. They've got a bunch of talented wide receivers, but – The thing that gives me confidence is, you know, even if corners have a down day or, you know, they, they miss some tackles, blow some assignments, whatever, like Jim Knowles is no dummy. He figures things out. And that's what I've, you know, he got sort of thrown into the fire a little bit in this game and the fact that. Bazelak went out, they brought in the dual threat quarterback and they gave up a sort of an early touchdown. Granted, they were up 21, nothing at the time. And so he had to shift his game plan and change things up. And that's exactly what he did. We've seen this in some other games too. Like Ohio state can have lapses, but they are like the 90% consistent team, right? Nine times out of 10, um, 54 minutes a game or whatever, like they know what they're doing and they've been coached well and they know their assignments. Individuals can struggle here and there, but he's just a really good coach and a really good teacher, I think. And we're probably a little bit biased because we're such Ohio state fans, but that's what I notice the most is like, he's getting the most out of these guys. And if there are those lapses, they're momentary and they figure it out, they move on and they get better. Or he'll bench you. We saw that with Denzel Burke earlier in the season. He's like, okay, I gave you a couple chances. You didn't figure it out. Your butt's on the bench. But brought him back in the game like you you should, right? I favor opportunity. And um, so we've just seen a lot of that from him. I think he knows how to get the most out of his guys. And when it's needed, like I think that it will be for the next couple of weeks, I believe that Jim Knowles will – dial some things up or go with something that we still haven't seen yet this year, because I think he has some more tricks in his bag or just some more knowledge in his brain that he has not tapped into yet or had to. Yeah, for sure. And I am just a completely unrelated note. I'm just checking in on what our, uh, our friends up North are doing right now. Um, currently in a seven, nothing game against Nebraska, JJ McCarthy with a strong two of seven for 29 yards to start that game. Um, so, you know, Ohio State where they're, you know, Ohio State's been getting a lot of crap across the country pretty much for their slow starts, but Michigan keeps doing the same exact thing. So I don't, it's going to be an interesting game when those two teams meet. I'm very much looking forward to that. And obviously, like you said, there is going to be a little bit of a test this upcoming weekend with Ohio State against uh, Maryland, but 
Michigan has, you know, they have some cracks in their armor too. Neither team is perfect. Um, both teams have some faults. So that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting the rest of the way. But yeah, I mean, I I think overall we got to feel pretty good about this. Um, pretty good performance for Ohio State across the board. You're going to take a 56 to 14 win when you could get it. This is kind of exactly um, what we had hoped. I don't remember exactly what my prediction was for this game. I thought, okay, it was 49 10. I thought I said 56 10, but um, pretty close out there. Um, I've had worse predictions, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I think that's, I, I don't really have a ton else to say about this game. The injuries. Um, let's are, talk about that, Gene. Let's, let's have, have a to? little bit of, yes, because. Because we have been so positive, and I think that allows us to a little bit of time here at the end to lightheartedly air our grievances and have a little bit of a therapy session. You and I, doesn't have to be long, but let's get it all out on the table with these injuries, the strength conditioning. I will open the floor to you first and let you cook. Okay, my official take is that Mick Marotti and Parker Fleming should be thrown in jail for their crimes against the Ohio State football team. Uh, but no, on a serious note, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 strength and conditioning. I mean, these are, for the most part, these are all soft tissue injuries. It's, you know, look at a guy like Jackson Smith and Jiggly. He's been out pretty much the entire year with a hamstring. And, I you know, he clearly came back in a few games where he wasn't fully ready. Um, they're not, you know, when guys get banged up, guys are going to get banged up throughout a football season. That is going to happen. It's a rough game. It is a, it is a physical game that is going to happen. But you have to be able to like get those guys back on the field in the best way you can after those things happen. And they just clearly haven't done that. Um, they've brought guys out too soon. You know, both Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson really either, neither of them have had a chance to get fully healed this season. They've both been banged up and pretty much have played through it all year. You know, obviously JSN, like we talked about, hasn't really played at all. Um, and it's just, it's frustrating to watch every week. There's, you know, 10 new guys on the injury report with these soft tissue injuries. And it's clearly just comes down to strength and conditioning. And you have a guy out here that is a, a urban Meyer holdover running your strength and conditioning, who is out here trying to build guys to be bodybuilders rather than college football players. They're probably not doing, you know, the proper stuff to prepare them for a football game. They're preparing to, you know, lift heavy weights and, you know, be, be strong and, and physical. And like, that's all well and good, but you also have to be, you have to train a completely different way to to play a 60-minute college football game. And I just think that the way that Mick Marotti is doing things with this program is incredibly antiquated. It's clearly not working. They are probably injured more than any other team in the country. All And it's at pretty key positions, too. You know, missing running backs, missing corners is pretty significant, especially when you're, you know, a team that's hoping to make it to the playoff. Missing one or two of those guys could be a huge blow to this team. And so... It's just been really frustrating. I don't know what else you could – you can't really do much about it at this point. I mean, it is what it is, but I, I don't I don't think Ryan Day is going to, you know, change up his strength and conditioning staff anytime soon, but it's certainly something he should be looking into because it just shouldn't it, – it seems like it's incredibly preventable and they're just not really – it doesn't seem like the staff that's in charge of that stuff is smart enough to, to make the necessary adjustments to fix it. So a lot to unwrap there. Um I'm not going to go in too much on the whole coach Mick and training staff thing just because I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. Is there an issue? Yeah, there's definitely an issue uh, because if it were just bad luck, so it, bad, bad injury luck is a number of guys going down for an extended period of time. In my opinion, it is something else entirely when it is a dozen guys in and out of the lineup frequently. So I think we're, <clears throat> those are two different things. I think that Ohio State is having trouble walking the line between preparation and preservation. 
Okay. I think that they want to preach and teach toughness. I think they want to prepare these guys for battle to go out and kick ass and, you know, do all of these things, but you still have to preserve their bodies, preserve their reps, things of that nature. I think of it like there are three main factors in my opinion, or or three possibilities, I guess. First would be that Ohio State just has a bunch of guys who are physically incapable of playing a full schedule. Not sure how I feel about that. Um, Ryan Day is, or in his staff are potentially being overly cautious with these injuries, sitting guys. I think that there's a little bit of that at, at play. And, you know, he wants to, uh, I should quit saying he, Ryan Day and his staff, they want to preach and teach toughness, like I said. But, like, I don't know if there is a center for that Venn diagram. Like, there, it seems like they are trying to serve too many masters. And so, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think that Ohio State is doing the best they can to protect their guys. I, they certainly don't want to see anybody injured. I believe that they are doing the best thing for them, but something needs looked at. So, you know, even if it's just one thing that they are doing that may cause some of this. um, But I do think that some of it is also fluky. And I think that some of it is Ryan day and his guys choosing to play it safe, but you can't play it safe and also work on the things that you need to work on all the time, every time. You know, you can't improve the run game if you're holding out 1B and your right tackle for precautionary reasons. So that's where I think, like, there are forces just sort of butting heads and working against each other. I, I just wanted to talk it out. I don't have a solution. I don't have an answer. There's, I, I don't have a smoking gun. But, yeah, it's frustrating. And... Ryan Day doesn't have to share stuff with us throughout the the week. He's under no obligation to do so. But when the defense rolls out there and Denzel Burke's nowhere to be found and Mike Hall is playing sparingly and it's just like, come on, man. Like, like, selfishly give us a, a break, throw us a bone. I hope that it gets better. And if they go on to play in a college football playoff, and in the semifinal, JSN is out there and every other starter is out there. Well, then guess what? Josh is stupid. Gene might be stupid. But I don't know if it's going to – I'm not talking end result of the season, but like we're not on the that trajectory right now, I guess is my point. Yeah, and on like a, a related note, but somewhat unrelated note, I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future here they start forcing teams to actually put out an injury report earlier in the week. Um, especially as you know, college football betting becomes more and more popular and legalized across the country, um, it's it's pretty significant, I would say, to learn that like in like very important starting players are out like a half hour before the game starts, um, if not like as the game starts. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know some kind of NCAA rule where coaches do have to put out some form of injury report like on the Friday before the game or something because the way that injuries have gone across college football this year is, is pretty ridiculous. You know, I remember earlier in this year there was a game where like Muhammad Ibrahim wasn't playing for 
Minnesota and you didn't know until the game started. And like, if you're betting on Minnesota, that is, that's something you need to know. Like, so I, I think that I, I know that's kind of unrelated to the Ohio state scenario, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a change in that in the near future, because the way that coaches have been hiding injuries this year is, is really annoying. Hey Gene, it's actually funny. You bring that up and you mentioned Michigan earlier. You want to talk about two coaches when Ohio state and Michigan square off like we might not know who's available until halftime for the beginning of the game because Harbaugh is also notorious in like I'm not talking about the injury I'm not going to tell you my starting quarterback I may not start a quarterback like he thinks he's keeping people on his toes Ryan Day is in my opinion is just sort of stubborn he's like I don't care (laughs) but yeah it's funny that those two teams will eventually face off and who the hell knows who's going to be on the field yeah, and it's going to be like Xavier Johnson is going to be starting at quarterback by the time we get to that game. But nonetheless, um, I think we could put a bow on this one. A good win for Ohio State. Obviously, we have a lot of injury concerns to look forward in the near future. But from at least what Ryan Day says, if you believe him at this point, it seems like none of them are, are super serious. We've heard that before. Um, but alas, that is what we have to work with at this point. But yeah, 56-14 to win over Indiana, kind of what we expected going into this game, kind of what we wanted to see. We saw Ohio State's offense bounce back a bit after a tough performance against Northwestern. We saw the defense continue to play well um, against a team that could throw it a little bit better than Northwestern could. We'll see a little bit better of a passing offense next week against Maryland. But Josh, I think we're, we're about set on this one. Anything else you want to say before we head out of here? Uh, not at all, man. 56-14. Go Bucks. I agree 100% on that one. Go Bucks is the, the truth here. That being said, uh, be sure to check out all of our written content at LandGrantHoyland.com. We will have all of your coverage of this game, breaking it down from the post-game aspect, as well as preview stuff leading into the Maryland game. We will, of course, have our preview podcast sometime early this week, um, so be sure to check that out as well. Be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff all the podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, Go Bucks. Go Bucks.